everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host, Usumimi. Uh, since last episode was on Evangelion, it was a little heavy on the subject matter for the most part. So I figured for this episode, I'd pick something a little more lighthearted for this review episode. Now, for those who've never heard one of my review episodes, that's just my fancy name for a podcast episode where I go back and I revisit an older anime title I haven't seen in quite some time, take some notes on what I remember about it, and then re-watch it and see if I still feel the same way about it as I did back when I last watched it. Simple, right? And don't worry, if this kind of episode isn't your thing, I'll return with a longer episode with a guest next time. Okay, what do we have this time around? Well, like I said, I wanted to go back to something a little more lighthearted. So while I was looking through my collection, I spotted my copy of Here is Greenwood. Here is Greenwood is an OAV that, amazingly, I was able to watch the entirety of completely through my local video store. Of course, that's not saying a lot, as it was only three VHS tapes long with six episodes total. It was also one of those rare titles that my local video store somehow ordered entirely subtitled as well, which was pretty lucky since, at the time, they had built a nice collection of titles like, for example, Ranma One Half, but it seemed like whoever ordered tapes for that particular store never paid attention to which version they were ordering as half the tapes were dubbed and half the tapes were subtitled. Yet somehow, Here is Greenwood was ordered entirely in one format. Once I had quickly devoured this relatively short series, I recall almost immediately trying to show them to friends, as this seemed right up the alley of most fans I knew at the time. Here is Greenwood reminded me a lot of the kind of wackiness we were all totally eating up at the time when it came to anime. Kazuya Hasekawa, a student, decides to move into his new school's dorms after his brother marries the girl that he loved, and he just couldn't stand the thought of being constantly around the happy couple. However, Hasekawa is notoriously unlucky, and after a string of accidents and bad luck, he arrives at his school a month late, and he's stuck in the school's weirdest dorm, nicknamed Greenwood. Greenwood is described as a magnet for the school's oddballs, and pile on the fact that Hasukawa's big brother is the school nurse, which gets him teased relentlessly, and his roommate situation is almost more awkward than his home situation, his dream of living a normal, quiet school life is dashed pretty quickly, much to his dismay. Of course, this leads to lots of your typical silly anime-style situation comedy. At least, this is the stuff I remember the clearest, probably because I'd seen that first VHS tape a lot more often than the rest of the series, thanks to multiple showings of that first tape to multiple people quite a few times to see if they'd be interested in the rest of the OAV. When I sat down and tried to remember just how exactly the series ended, I honestly had trouble recalling the rest of the story other than the fact that I remembered the last episodes were a two-parter. 
The harder I tried to remember how it ended, the more my mind went blank. All I could really recall with the most clarity was the silly beginning to this comedic series and the really fun ending song I remember absolutely adoring. (laughs) I also remember Chika Sakamoto as Shun because she has a really recognizable voice to me, in a good way though. So I was looking forward to revisiting this one as I was curious to see if any of this would come back to me once I started watching it. I had also completely forgotten that while Central Park Media had originally released this series on VHS under their Software Sculptures line, the DVD that was to be released later would be by Media Blasters under their Anime Works label. Back in the day, I had only ever watched it via those old VHS tapes, And while I'd owned this DVD for some time, I actually had never gotten around to sitting down and watching the whole thing up until now. This is what happens when you constantly have a backlog, I guess. So, I guess now's as good a time as any to revisit this quirky dorm and the familiar faces of Here is Greenwood. first things that struck me about rewatching Here is Greenwood is just how visually nice this series is. While I can't say that it has any over-the-top or amazing fantastical scenes in it that would make animation fans drool, everything from the backgrounds to the characters' wardrobes are very pleasing to the eye and in a soft color palette that gives the whole show almost a coziness to it. Which works well, considering that the original story this OAV is based on was a shoujo manga. A lot of people tend to compare this series to things like Kimugure Orange Road and Meizan Ikoku, which makes a lot of sense in several ways. First, Orange Road was originally inspired by shoujo, as Orange Road's creator Izumi Matsumoto admitted to in interviews, and Ikoku was a series that while it ran in a shonen magazine, was just as much of a hit with ladies as it was with men, thanks to Rumiko Takahashi's charming artwork and story. Secondly, Greenwood the anime shares a few staff members with both Orange Road and Ikoku's anime adaptations, which should be no surprise. But I'm already getting ahead of myself. So I was pretty much spot on with the beginning of the series. We start the series off with a bunch of exposition, but it's done quickly and amusingly enough that we really want to know where all of this is going and just what's going to happen to Hasekawa now that he's got to live in this dorm full of wacky neighbors. Where this is where a lot of people compare it to Meizan Ikoku, the biggest difference is the size. At one point, we learn that 200 students live in Greenwood. That makes Ikoku look like a shoebox in comparison. 
thankfully, we don't have to meet every single one of them. This is an OAV after all, and time is limited. But we are quickly introduced to a few of the more unique residents, which includes a guy who brings his motorcycle with him to his third floor room every day so it won't get stolen, some guys who run a video game arcade out of their room with a bunch of what appears to be Super Nintendo consoles, and an even bigger group of guys who seem to be trying to start a weird religious cult out of their room. The ones closest to Hasekawa's room understandably seem to be the characters we see the most of and spend the most time with. This includes Kisaragi Shun, Hasekawa's beautiful roommate who looks remarkably feminine and doesn't really care that people think that that's odd, Shinobu and Mitsuru, who aren't just the student body president and head RA for the dorm, they're also practically evil geniuses who do everything from party planning to running bets out of their room on various things for fun and profit. While Hasekawa and his struggle to maintain his sanity at Greenwood seem to be the main focus when the story starts, as time goes on, the spotlight often bounces around to other characters. In fact, there really isn't a lot to tie all of these episodes together other than Greenwood itself and the characters that live there. There's no real ongoing plot happening throughout the series. In fact, this OAV at times made me think back to the Oh My Goddess OAV, where it was made mostly with fans of the manga in mind, and assumed that most of the people who would be watching this would probably already be familiar with the source material. Greenwood tries to explain enough at least, as I said before, the first episode opens up with a pretty hefty bit of exposition on Hasekawa and what he's doing there. But this series plays around with that a little more, as characters themselves occasionally break the fourth wall to talk about the story and the characters as characters in a story. For example, at one part in episode 2, we see Shun mention that episode 2 is basically a new story that's a continuation of what happened in volume 2 of the Greenwood manga. This is the same kind of playful tone that's from the original Greenwood manga, actually, and is something that really makes Greenwood enjoyable. Other than characters occasionally breaking the fourth wall like this, we also see lots of references to itself and other anime and manga throughout the series. Some of them are subtle and easily missed if you're not looking for them, like a character reading the Here is Greenwood manga at a convenience store, or the manga publisher's logo appearing on one of the students' school textbooks. One of my favorites is in episode 3, which is probably my favorite episode of the entire series. The Greenwood dorm enters a school contest with a short film they decide to make together. They want to make a fantasy-slash-RPG-inspired sort of story, and a random passing-by manga artist just happens to want Mitsuru and Shinobu to model some fantasy-type costumes for her so she can draw character designs for her new manga, which they agree to, if they can keep the costumes as payment to use in their film. This random manga artist is shown wearing a headband emblazoned with a large letter N, which is how the artist of the Greenwood manga, Yukie Nasu, likes to portray herself as in several parts of the original manga. This was something that totally went over my head when I first got into the series, but in the early 2000s, Viz released the Greenwood manga, and I was happy to finally put some of these pieces together now that I'd seen and read both. 
Episode 3 is probably the most fun overall. I'd put it right up there with the first episode, since you still really need that first episode exposition to really get a proper introduction to most of the characters. And it's also probably the most meta out of all of the episodes. We get to see how their fantasy script plays out while they're filming it, and it's actually more of a fantasy comedy, with things like the main villain building his evil army by placing an ad in the local paper, or the main character commenting on how, even after defeating the villain, still has something like 11 more childhood friends that he must seek out and defeat. We also get my favorite parody of all, after the credits, where we see that Shun's class entry was a performance from the iconic clock tower scene from The Castle of Cagliostro, complete with costumes and theatrical special effects. It's a very cute homage, and I'd totally forgotten about it until I watched it again. It's really great. Something I'd also forgotten is how much I don't really care for episode 2. Well, I suppose it did have its moments here and there, but overall the thing I didn't like was Shinobu's sister, Nagisa. Shinobu and Nagisa have one of the most bizarre sibling relationships ever, and Nagisa is portrayed as not only neurotic, but totally creepy. To give you an idea of what I mean, she holds so much hate towards her brother and his friends that she just randomly decides that she's going to start liking girls from now on. And that's totally fine. But the first thing she does after that is pick up a very young girl off the street with promises of money and food and takes her up to her apartment and tries to have her way with her. Thankfully, she doesn't get too far because soon she realizes the young girl she picked up isn't a girl at all, but Shun Kisaragi's little brother, who looks just as feminine as Shun does, hence her confusion. She then decides that she's going to hold Shun's brother hostage to try to get back at her brother and tries to plot an elaborate scheme to get him to do her bidding, along with the help of some of her hired bodyguards, who were all on various wild goose chases to find unusual snacks that Shun's brother has requested. If this sounds a bit confusing and weird, don't feel bad because it's meant to. While Greenwood is a series that's definitely not made to ever be taken too seriously, the tone of this episode was such a turn from the first one with its lighthearted silliness that the creepiness and downright crazy antics of Nagisa can take you by surprise if you aren't really expecting it. And if the thought of Nagisa creeping on a little kid makes you feel uncomfortable, I recommend just skipping straight to the third episode instead. Like I said, there really isn't any underlying plot going on in this series, so you won't be missing anything totally essential if you do. Episode 4 gets back on track with the silly lightheartedness in a story about Mitsuru being haunted by a ghost. However, the ghost happens to be a really cute girl whose last wish keeping her tied to the world of the living is to have a, well, as she puts it, a really cute boyfriend, and later on, her first kiss. Again, more wacky sitcominess ensues, and the whole dorm decides that they really like her. She is a cute girl ghost in an all-boys school, after all. But then they quickly change their minds when they discover that, whenever she gets upset, her cries can break windows, 
burst bathroom pipes, and even cause earthquakes. And finally, we come to the last two episodes, which are a two-part story that actually are supposed to take place earlier in the series between episodes one and two. This confused me a lot when I first saw the series because I guess I missed the part where they'd explained this continuity issue. This is another part of the story where the comparisons to Kimigori Orange Road and Meizan Ikoku come into play as we go back to focusing on Hasukawa. He meets a childhood friend of Mitsuru's named Mia and develops a crush on her. But for starters, Mia is involved with a gang of delinquents in her school. And secondly, she already has a boyfriend, who she confesses to Hasekawa later that she doesn't really think she's in love with, but everyone assumes they're happy together because they're longtime childhood friends. These last two episodes are basically Hasekawa trying to come to terms with his feelings, and with the help of his Greenwood roomies, try to help Mia realize that she needs to start being true to her feelings, even if it might not make the people around her happy. While that's not a bad premise for a story arc, it doesn't feel as strong as it could be for several reasons. The first being that it's really hard to take Hasukawa and Mia's feelings about each other that seriously after only two episodes, one of which they spend the bulk of their screen time arguing together. Not to mention that these episodes are almost a complete tonal shift from the rest of the OAVs. There aren't really many laughs to be had in these episodes, which is kind of a bummer after some of the really strong ones that we get in the previous two. And rewatching this again after so long, I realized something else. I don't really like Hasekawa very much. It's not like he's a jerk per se, but there isn't really a lot about him that's super likable. At his best, he's kind of a stereotypical nice guy with no standout qualities, but at his worst, he's a self-centered grump who likes to complain a lot. But considering he's a teenager, and there's so many characters in this series that we don't have as much time to develop him as much as the manga does, this isn't terribly surprising, so I guess I can give him a pass. Plus, much like Hasukawa's brother, I too found it amusing whenever a character would tease him or give him a hard time, which of course is quite often. As to whether he's better or worse than characters like Kyosuke from Orange Road or Godai from Meizani Koku, well, I'll leave that up for you to decide. Since many of Hira's Greenwood's aesthetics are deeply rooted in what we generally think of as 80s and early 90s shoujo style, I would recommend watching it on that alone if you're really into that sort of look when it comes to anime. It was animated by Studio Perot, so a lot of the soft watercolor style settings and backgrounds that you see in their Magical Girls series, as well as in Kimigori Orange Road, can also be seen in this one, which I know a lot of people are fans of. I may have enjoyed this series a little bit more back in the day, but I think it still holds up as a fun title to watch regardless of its faults, simply because it's a great character-driven story, and almost every character in this series is likable and fun. Coming back to Here is Greenwood was a lot like putting on an old favorite sweater. 
While it might have some unraveled loose threads in some places, it still makes you feel cozy and happy, so you can't help but still love it. I mentioned before that when I first watched Here is Greenwood, it was on Central Park Media's VHS release under their Software Sculptures label. Media Blaster's DVD release is what I watched this time around, and while it's nice to have this series on DVD, I did have a couple of issues with it. Now, on CPM's initial VHS release, they were very good about having subtitles for things like signs, letters, on-screen sound effects, and other things that appeared in Japanese text on screen. But all of that is left completely untranslated on this DVD release when you watch it in Japanese. At first it wasn't that big of a deal, but later on there are times when the characters won't read out loud what something is or what something says, so unless you know some Japanese, you're just left out in the dark as to what the translation is. I fiddled around with the audio and subtitle options later on, and it looks like the only time there's any subtitles for those things are in the dub version, which I never saw and was never really that interested in, so that was kind of disappointing to see on this new DVD. It's not essential to the story, but it does get a little annoying at a few key scenes. The translation Media Blasters used was also brand new and different from the VHS version as well, because there were times whole parts of the dialogue were a bit different than I recalled. I could just be remembering it wrong, but I'd seen some of those episodes, like I said, so many times it was kind of ingrained into my brain. The song translation for the ending theme, No Brand Heroes, being the one that stood out the most to me. Media Blaster's version did nothing to convey the charm of no-brand heroes that CPM's translation had. It was pretty disappointing, as that's one of my favorite parts of the series. It might just be my personal preference, though, and it's fine, but I did prefer CPM's version a lot more to this one. Of course, that's not to say that the DVD release is horrible or something. Other than those little nitpicks, the picture quality is a nice step up from the old VHS tapes, even if the picture quality looks a little faded at times in that first episode, but that might just be likely a sign of the series' age. While the translation is kind of flat at times, the rest of the time it's just fine and it gets the jokes across effectively. And amazingly, Media Blasters managed to include a couple of great extras to their release. I assume they're probably the same as the Japanese DVD version, which seems to be a rarity lately. The biggest one being a translation of the Greenwood Station DVD drama done by the voice actors of Shinobu and Mitsuru, which is basically like a radio play slash drama that they did for CD releases back in the 90s. This was a special recording that they did later for the DVD release in Japan, so it's really cool we're able to get something like this officially translated. There's no video playback that was recorded with this, so you just have some random anime art cycling while they talk. But it's still worth a listen, especially if you've never been able to listen to any of those Greenwood Station dramas before. I never had in the past because my Japanese is not that good, so listening to one with no translation would have been pretty hard for me. Even though it's just the two actors talking, 
Much like the Greenwood anime, there's a lot of silliness and fourth wall breaking, so if you enjoy that, you'll probably like listening to this bonus feature. The other extras include something called Greenwood Karaoke, which I originally assumed would be a series of sing-along segments for the various songs used in the OAV, but it's actually more like a mini clip montage with some music from the series, as well as a thank you for watching sort of message from the staff. It's nice, but it definitely wasn't karaoke. I found that to be a little odd and weirdly misleading. <laughs> and the last extra is actually super short, but really fun. It's an animated short that's supposed to be the camera commercial that Mitsuru was in. It was briefly mentioned that he occasionally modeled and was even in a commercial once, so I guess the animation staff thought it would be fun to actually animate said commercial? I think this was also an extra on the old Laserdiscs, though I can't recall if they were ever included in any of the American ones before. But either way, it's a fun little extra, even though it's very short. And if you have no idea what it was, you might be kind of confused. If you'd watched the series on VHS before and were fond of the series dubbed, however, Media Blasters did not pick up CPM's original dub for their release, and instead created a whole new one. Since I never watched either, I can't say how they compare, but if you ever feel the need to hear that old dub again, you'll have to track down those old VHS tapes to do it. Even though Media Blaster's DVD release is technically out of print, it's actually very easy to find copies for sale online and for very reasonable prices. Even those old VHS tapes aren't too hard to track down. So, whatever version you prefer, it's an easily obtainable title to add to your collection. Also, like I mentioned earlier, Viz was kind enough to release the manga version of Here is Greenwood in the early 2000s. Technically, I don't think they're in print anymore, but most of the volumes are, again, easily tracked down online for not too much money. So if you haven't gotten a chance to read them and you were a fan of Heroes Greenwood before, I definitely recommend checking it out. I recall the first couple of volumes were a little wonky on some of the translations, but they definitely got better as the series progressed. I mentioned early on that there were several staff members on Greenwood who also worked on Orange Road and Ikoku. Tomomi Mochizuki, the director and scriptwriter of Greenwood, was one of them. He was a director for Orange Road throughout its various anime adaptations, as well as on Maison Ikoku. He also worked as a director on Creamy Mommy, a few episodes of Urusei Yatsura and Tokimeki Tonight, as well as the first season of Ranma One Half and Studio Ghibli's Ocean Waves. Shichiro Kobayashi, the art director, was also the art director for Kimigori Orange Road and also worked as art director on lots of other properties, including the parodied Castle of Cagliostro, Creamy Mommy, Nobody's Boy Remy, Urusei Yatsura Beautiful Dreamer, Akazuken Chacha, and revolutionary girl Utena. Character designer and chief animator Masako Goto is another staff member who also worked on Kimigori Orange Road as animation director. Goto has also worked as an animation director on Creamy Mommy, the Lika-chan OAVs, a handful of Ranma One Half episodes, and did in-between animation for The Fantastic Adventures of Unico. 
Shigeru Nagata provided the music for the series, which is subtle but sufficient for an OAV like this. Nagata doesn't seem to have many titles under his belt, but most notably aside from Greenwood, he also did the music for Studio Ghibli's Ocean Waves. The seiyu, or Japanese voiceover cast for this OAV, has some pretty notable cast members in it as well. Greenwood's main character, Kazuya Hasukawa, was voiced by Nozomu Sasaki, and is probably best known as his role as Yusuke Urameshi in Yu Yu Hakusho, Ushio in the original Ushio and Tora OAV, and Tetsuo in Akira. Shun Kisaragi, as I said before, was played by Chika Sakamoto, who you might have heard before as I in Cat's Eye, Mei in My Neighbor Totoro, Kentaro in Meizani Koku, and Noriko in Fushigi Yugi. Mitsuru is played by Mitsuo Iwata, who also played Akira in Megazone 2 3 Part 3, Kaneda in Akira, and Kentaru Oe in Golden Boy. Toshihiko Seki, who played the role of Shinobu, can also be heard as Yurimaru in Ninja Scroll, Moose in Ranma 1 Half, and Duo Maxwell in Gundam Wing. If you're a fan of the aforementioned Kimigori Orange Road or Meizani Koku, and you somehow never checked out the series, I recommend giving it a shot, as it will probably remind you a lot of both of them. I would say if you like Greenwood and you haven't seen Orange Road or Ikoku, those would be great to check out too, but since they're both out of print and a bit hard to buy now, I'd recommend something a little easier to find, like Ronmo and Half, or even the Patlabor series, to get more of that characters in a funny situation together sort of feel that's also animated in that late 80s slash early 90s way that lots of fans find so appealing. And that about wraps it up for this rewatch of Here is Greenwood. The next episode of the podcast will be perfect for Halloween, so I hope you'll all look forward to it. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, thoughts on this episode or previous episodes, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me directly at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. You can also find this podcast and links regarding this episode at animenostalgia.blogspot.com, as well as animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also follow for daily images, GIFs, music, and news all relating to older anime in between releases of this podcast. You can also find previous episodes of this podcast on either of those, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast on either and you should find it. You can also subscribe for new episodes and, if you're feeling generous, you can also leave a review for my humble little podcast too since I love to read them. As always, I've been your host, Usamimi, and I'll see you next time! Because here, here, here is Greenwood! Greenwood.